0: Good morning, everybody. Good to see y'all again. I am Steve Hambrick, pastor here at Vintage, and I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm really, really excited. So how many of you are playing fantasy football? Anybody have a team? Yep, yep. I I beat Doug last week. Praise God. And... uh, yeah, it was one of those deals. Literally, like his defense, he was like beating me. If you've done this, you know, like your defense gets twenty five points at the beginning of the game. So he was beating me like like by like twenty. And by the end of the game, his defense was terrible. It was fantastic, and I won. I was to give. I was trying to give glory and honor to Jesus, and you cut it off, dude. You're going to lose today too. So anyway, um, no man, it's really really good. How many of your teams uh, won in college football yesterday? I get a hoo hoo. Yes, mine won. Georgia Bulldogs, 3-0, and beat the mighty Bulldogs of Sanford. Uh, yes, if you're an LSU fan, sorry. Um, I did watch y'all get your butts whooped. It was awesome. Alright, um, let's dive in. We're, we're in the con, we're in the process of going through Ephesians, and, uh, so last week we, we began by looking at the first, like, eight verses, and, and here's what I want you to say, like, there, so you know that when you write a letter, like you know when you write a letter like you have a process to it it's like the beginning part and then there's kind of getting into like the like the hey greeting type stuff and then you kind of get in the meat of it and then then you kind of say what you want to say and then describe it in the end and then say at the end what you wanted to say. to Kind of remind them as a conclusion, right? You've all written stuff. And so so when when you read through Ephesians, you read through any of the letters of Paul or if you read through anything that Peter wrote or whatever it may be. There's always like this process that they go through. And so so when you started out in Ephesians, it was like, hey, guys, how's it going, right? The greetings type stuff. And then we said last week that he dove into this process, this this idea of saying, hey, let's begin the letter by talking about how God views you. Because you can't talk about what you do, right, your actions in life, until you have an understanding, really, of how God sees you so that you feel confident in who you are in Christ. And so he said in verse 3, listen, God's poured out, has, listen, has been, you have been, have been, passes, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he describes that for several verses. And so what should have happened for you, and this is what Paul wanted to happen for the Ephesians, and then then for us also, is like, let's just begin by talking about how loved you are. Let's talk about your inheritance. Right? Like, Laura Drew this this morning, or painted this, this, you didn't draw it, you painted it, right? And here's this young, unassuming girl with this crown. Because she's been adopted as a daughter of God. And adoption means inheritance. Everything that belongs to God. Everything that defined the life of Jesus now belongs to her, it now belongs to you. You have access at all times To God, you've been redeemed. You've been pulled out of darkness and brokenness and chaos into a a life of blessing and of relationship with the Father. And so when you see this painting, it's this idea of like who we are. This is a reminder the entire morning of who you are and of whose you are. Because that's the place that Paul begins. He says, listen, it's this dueling reality. You looked at it this week in your small groups. If you didn't, you look at it briefly to the, uh, to, uh, this week in your small groups. But the, the idea of dueling reality is that how many of us, we live with this tension of not living confidently in who we are in Christ. We don't live confidently in our inheritance in Christ. We don't live with great joy every day because of the blessings and the life that we have in christ and so what i would hope would happen for you is that this week you would sit back you would have sat back and you can do it this week too you can do it every day for all i care right so what god would desire is you sit back and just realize again who you are every day waking up going thank you jesus for my inheritance thank you for my adoption I didn't do this work, God. You did it. This reminds me of your love for me. It reminds me of your power. It reminds me of your redemption, how you died for me, right? So that I could live and have life with you every day. And so Paul, so you can't really dive into the meat of Ephesians unless you've first been awakened to your inheritance, this reality in God, because so many of us are defined by a Flesh reality, our struggle with sin, the tension, our wrestlings, the chaos, the tension of our life. And Paul's going to say, no, 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 no. That's there, right? There are storms, but if you'll simply look to Jesus, then you'll remember, he'll remind you of who you are, and you'll rise upon and you'll walk on the waves to him. God's reality. And so, I'll just say this, and hear me. You can't read to the rest of Ephesians unless you begin where Paul began. Right? Like, you have to start. It's like, let's, let's take, remember I told you last week, it's a 202 word, one sentence. It's not even a run-on because he was really good at grammar, I guess. It was this perpetual, never-ending sentence like in one breath. I have to just tell you who you are because you're amazing, because you're inheritance, the adoption, as the sons and daughters of the king, and all of a sudden now you have the, this glorious reality of who you are as God's son and daughter, and you are loved, you are cared for, you are fought for, He loves you, right? You keep on going on and on and on and on, right? Like you have to land there. So let's do this. Everyone take a moment. Take a deep breath and close your eyes, and we're going to pray. And a lot of you had this, like, you're here. You're, like, wondering why you're here. You have this tension trying to figure me out, what's happening. But God wants to speak to you this morning. And so put your place, put yourself in a place and a posture of receiving. And I'm just going to pray and ask that God would meet you. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to do what you do. Jesus said you came to convict the world of sin and of what was right. And so I'm asking this morning that you would awaken each person to know what is right, what is true, the blessings that they have, the inheritance as, from, as adopted as sons and daughters, and they would walk into this reality of God for them. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, let's dive in. Now that you've all are super confident in who you are in Jesus, right? Now we're going to dive in because now first it was Paul trying to awaken us to this confidence we have as children of God. This morning he wants to awaken us to a confidence in God. Right? A confidence in who the Father is, right? He wants to all of a sudden talk about this confidence that God has a plan for the world and a divine purpose in everything that's going on. Hear that. These next five verses, we're gonna look at verses 9 through 11 specifically, but they're about awakening a confidence in us and who God is, that He has a plan and that He has a purpose. And the reason it's important to talk about this is because of this. We live in a world that's always moving towards chaos, aren't we, right? That's always moving towards destruction. You look at your physical body the moment you were born, you literally, because of the nature of being in the physical realm, your body is now in the process of dying. It's just the nature of everything on the earth. It's in the process of chaos, of destruction, and ultimately to death. And so you can look at your own physical body, right? You get nips and you get tucks and you get shots, but the reality is it's still happening, right? It's still happening. We're still decaying. We're still deteriorating. It's not, I'm not trying to be all like fatalistic. I'm just saying, like that's the reality. We all die. It all ha- it happens. And so we're all in this process, and we see this decay and this destruction and everything going on. Have you read the news? You remember the last couple of weeks and the hurricanes and, and and all of these things that are happening in the news and these atrocities that are happening to people and and there's wars and there's civil war and there's genocide and there's sex trafficking, right? And our government itself is just like, it's just going, it's just, uh, God, God, like, this all. And how many of you, like, this week, you got in fights with your neighbors, with your co-workers, people that were your friends yesterday or not, today, right? just all these things. There's all this tension. There's all this Discord, right? There's all this disharmony. There's all of this chaos. Like if you look, you know what a meter is, right? You've seen those people like meter readers. They go by in their trucks, and they hop out, and they go read a meter, right? So let's say you're holding a meter in your hand like this. And and when this meter is like a battery meter that has like a green on one side, right, and then red on the other. And we know red means bad, and then green means good. So if you were to create a meter for the world in which we live, it's like it seemingly, it's always pegged over here in the red, Right? It's like bad news and bad stuff and disharmony and all of these pieces. And so then when we're born into this world of discord and disunity and brokenness, we 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 go, oh my gosh, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Because everything seems to be pegged into the red. We know the source, don't we? We've all read the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 3, which speaks to the, the nature of sin and the fallenness of the world. And, and how all of a sudden in that moment, right, like it wasn't the end. It's not the end. Like, listen, like you can blame the enemy all day long for the, the hell that we live in, the discord we live in. But reality, you know, whose responsibility, it was ours. We chose sin. Like it's not the enemy's fault necessarily, it's ours, that we chose sin and in the moment of choosing sin, there was a consequence of brokenness and chaos and discord and so God says, I'm going to give you a gift of death because I don't want you to live in chaos for the rest of your life. I give you death so that you don't have to live in that forever. I will give a period of time so that you can then live for eternity with me. And so we find this reality of Genesis chapter 3 and the magnitude of this moment and how it introduces discord and disharmony. And so we find ourselves... Wondering if there's hope and wondering if God's good and wondering if there's really a purpose and wondering, is there really a plan? And so Paul, in the midst of their discord, in the midst of their disunity, in the midst of their deterioration and their decay right over here in this the, the in Asia Minor, is there the minority and they're wondering if God's ever going to move and why is the Roman Empire still stronger than the Empire of God? And where is Jesus? Is he really Lord? And Paul comes and says, listen, you're blessed and don't forget it. Is this Is who you are? And then he begins to describe this plan and purpose of God in verses 9 through 11 specifically. And the thing I want you to see before we read this, well, actually, let's just go ahead and read it right now. Ephesians chapter 1, 9 through 14. I want you to read. I want you to see the idea in words in here of plan and of, and of purpose. And I want you to find God's movement in this he says, he made known to us, verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure. It pleased him, his, it pleased him mightily, right, to, to, to make known to us the mystery of his will. We're going to talk about in a second. Which he purposed, or found its purpose in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things. In heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Verse 12. In order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was the deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Like, listen, if you've ever read any of Paul's words, you know there's lots of words, right? There's lots of words, lots of words, and even as I read, there's just lots and lots and lots of words, now, in this, what I want you to find first is verse 10. We're going to come back. So we're going to look at this. Verse 10, the second part of verse 10, literally is the center point of the entire letter of Ephesians. Like, it's literally the center point. Everything in the letter hinges on this verse. Everything after is speaking back to this, where it says, To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What I want you to see is this: God has a plan to take everything in the red and everything in the green and to put it under the lordship of Jesus. That listen, you've heard the, you've used the phrase before. That every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is His movement. To bring to unity, to bring unity to all things in heaven. And on earth, under the lordship of Jesus, so that everything would bow. God is not idle, right? In the midst of all turmoil, loss, and brokenness, with everything in the red, everything in the green, God is not idle, and God is not that a plan to take everything and bring restoration, to bring everything under unity. So let's dive in today, right? This idea of God's plan, starting in verse 9. There is a plan. He made known to us... The mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So basically what it's saying is, listen, there's this mystery that's been out there for years. And in this generation, God chose to make it known. God chose to make it known and it found its purpose and its fulfillment in Christ. What I want you to see is this. Whenever scripture speaks about mystery, it's talking about the gospel the gospel. You've all heard of the gospel. Gospel equals the good news of Jesus. That's all it is, okay? Gospel equals good news. And so, good news is spoken when people are living in the context of bad news. Right? I have good news here. Oh my gosh, thankful. I'm so thankful. I needed some good news, right? I've been living in the red. I've been living in the chaos. I've been living the deterioration. I've been living right here and it's been overwhelming. He's like, oh, I got, I got good news for you, right? Remember the angel said, I have good news of great joy that is for all the nations. He, They sang that. They spoke that to the, to the shepherds when Jesus was born, right? And so the idea is like the good news. What is it? It's the gospel. It is the life of Jesus, that Jesus came to earth. He lived his life. As a human being, perfectly. Then when the time came, he died in our place. So that all then who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life with him. Then he was raised from the from the grave. There's an empty cross, right? He was raised from the grave to show his mastery and his power over the enemy. And then he ascended to heaven did. He sent his spirit so that we would be empowered then to live the life that Jesus lived. That's the good news. That is the gospel. And we're told in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, that this happened at a very specific time, a perfect time in history, where it says this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem or to set free those under the law that we might receive adoption, inheritance, right? To sonship and to daughtership. So what I want you to see is this. In verse 9, there's the mystery of his will that in his perfect timing and part of his perfect plan, in the perfect time in history, God said, I look down at Genesis 3, I see the brokenness, I see the chaos that's been ensuing, but man, this is the perfect time I'm going to insert myself and now I have a plan and a purpose to bring salvation to the entire world. That's the mystery of his will found its purpose in Jesus. God has a plan. It's the point, he's saying we're not just born into hopelessness. Our lives just don't move towards endless despair. I'll say that again. Our lives, listen, we're not born into hopelessness. Our lives don't just move towards endless despair. God has a plan. It finds its purpose in Christ, and it occurs in His perfect timing to bring restoration to all things. Everything in the red and everything in the green, right, to submit itself to Jesus and bring bring to unity all of these things. God has a plan. That was it. We are part of that plan. So verse 11 says this, in him we also... We're going to skip down to verse 11 and come back to verse 10. In him we were also chosen. So in, in Christ, in Jesus, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. The plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. If you want to put this in terms, we understand God is the master at cleaning up messes. That's what he does. Like he can take the mess of our world, the brokenness of our world, the chaos of our world, and he is perfect in his plan to clean up and to bring everything to the purpose of his will. The greatest struggle that most of us have in the world is, is the absolute brokenness of the world and its impact on people. This doesn't seem Fair. All of these things that happen doesn't seem fair, but the Bible teaches that God uses everything, everything in the world, everything in life to move people towards the fulfillment of his plan to redeem and to save all who are far off from him, to redeem and to save and to create an inheritance, right? An adoption for every single person who's in the red and those who've been brought into the green and to bring them into the unity and the lordship of Jesus, right? This is his plan. Everything that happens, God uses to fulfill his plan to bring all of us to a conviction of his lordship, his leadership in life. That he is in control, and that should give us comfort. That in all things, Paul is speaking, saying, you've been adopted. This is who you are, but now do you have confidence in who God is? Like, they lived in chaos, They were the minority. Christianity was not accepted as a primary religion in the Roman Empire. We know just a few years later they're being thrown into lion's dens and they're being killed, right? Like you you've all seen Gladiator back in the day, such as the guys. Like that's that was our that's our history, right? You've seen all of that. And so that's what they're living in. They're living in the context of fear, they're living in the context of tension. Maybe not exactly in this season, but it's coming, and it was in the past also, right? And so, so there's this tension, there's chaos, there's brokenness. I don't know if you know, but they didn't have Internet back then. That's like living in hell, right? There was no social media, and like, no phones in their hand. How hard is that? No, you know what I'm getting at? There's chaos. And he's kind of saying, in the midst of this, God is in control. He has a plan, right? But in these moments, we wrestle with God's control because we want to know, and I want you to hear this, we want to know if everything that happens and that is going to happen is already predetermined for us and that everything that happens is God's will. Or do we have free will to make choices to shape the future for good or for bad? And so if you haven't been around, just letting you know in theological realms, there has been a battle about this. For for a long, long time. And there are two camps. And they live to live in both of their equal camps on both sides. And they throw stones at each other. And then they're going to end up in heaven together. Because Jesus is Lord over both of them. Right? And they're sitting there with great tension. And so the great tension that we find in this is that which one is right? And biblically speaking, the answer is yes. They both are. They both are. And that's where there's this great tension. God, in the moment, he moves with a plan and he's given people responsibility. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and everything is moving towards it. And people have a responsibility. The idea is this we are free to make choices that impact the outcome of situations. And God has a determined plan and that he is never caught off guard and has a plan for everything that's going on in life, and he sees it, he knew it in advance. We see this pictured in Acts 27 of this dynamic tension. I'm not going to read the whole story, I'm just going to tell you the story. In Acts 27, Paul is on a ship. He's been taken captive. He's on his way to Rome. They come up to this really, really big storm, and everyone's afraid for their life that they're going to die. An angel of the Lord, Paul tells us, comes to him and speaks and says, Surely you're not going to die. You will be safe, and you will be saved. And Paul gathers everybody together and says, Everybody, I want you to know, I've seen an angel of the Lord. He's come to me. And he said, We're going to be safe. They're like, Yeah. All of a sudden, I don't know how long later, all of a sudden, the storm gets worse. Several of the men go over to the ship, go past the other side over here where the lifeboats are. They begin to lower the lifeboats to get into them to save their lives. And Paul says, surely if you get into those lifeboats, we will die. Okay. So it's not God's plan but if you do, you'll die. And so what I want you to see in this, there's a tension there, right? An angel of the Lord came and spoke on God's Bible and says, you will not die. And then over here says, but you will die if you do this. If you choose this, then death will come. And so my point is, and here's the great tension, God has a plan. We have responsibility to make choices, and when we make choices, our Choices have consequences. Was it God's will for Adam and Eve to sin in the garden? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was not God's will for them to sin in the garden. It's never God's will that we sin and we choose sin. It's opposed to his will. And there were then what? Consequences for their sin? But in that we say, but none of that caught God off guard, and in the midst of that, even that submitted itself to God's plan, ultimately to redeem and to save the world. And so, in that, God said, "I'm not caught off guard. I anticipated, expected this. It happened, and I've already have a plan to move everything under the unity of Christ." And you go, "That is," uh, and I'm saying, "Yes, that's the tension. That's why we still argue." That's why there are people on both sides that make great valid points. And the idea is simply this. Paul's coming and saying, there are some things. Listen, you know the scripture for my thoughts. This is Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your what your ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's where we find this great tension. It's like, ah, God, you have to be in control because I can't understand it. God, I can't get it. God, I can't control. And I think that's the great tension for us. So, is it God's will when a drunk driver hits a car and kills a small child in the car? No, it's not God's will. Is it God's will that this woman's walking on the street and gets raped? No. But even in that, God is good God is moving, and God has a plan, and he uses it for the purpose of his will. And we wrestle, and like, I don't like that. It's like we live in a fallen world. And the problem about the world is that there is a reality that defines it of brokenness and of sin because of the consequences of our choices. And we can wrestle all day long. But the reality is, in the moment, Paul's coming and saying, I know the chaos, I know your turmoil, I know your stories. But God has a plan and a purpose, even in these atrocities, even everything that's in the red, to bring it under unity for Christ. We struggle with this, but God is in control, and we have a responsibility. We struggle because we can't see what God sees or fully understand what God understands. His ways are not our ways. And Paul's coming in the moment saying, All right, and I want you to hear this. You may have to wrestle with that. And 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 every single one of us are thinking people have to wrestle with that. And in the wrestling, Paul's coming and saying, But the place we wrestled too is that even in all of those things, God has a plan, God has a purpose. He's even bringing those things into unity under Christ because he is a good father. That's why he starts there, who has adopted us as sons and daughters. And even as we go through hell, he is with us, which brings us back then to, to verse 10. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We have already stated that due to the fall of, in Genesis 3, everything in our culture is moving towards disorder. That's the nature of it. The second law of thermodynamics, for those of you who love this, simply stated, tells us that disorder in our environment only increases. Everything without being tended to deteriorate our bodies, right? People groups, classes of people, nations, marriages, relationships, parents and children, neighbor with neighbors and friendships, right? What can be done? What's told here, God is going to bring unity, is moving to bring unity in all things, in heaven and on earth, under the lordship of Jesus. So we wrestle with the disorder, we wrestle with the deterioration, we wrestle with the discord. But if you can receive this, all of this has a purpose, always. Our world is falling apart. God has a plan. We have responsibility within God's plan To live in obedience, right? But disorder will occur to lead us to Jesus. How do you think you came to Christ in your salvation? Was because you realized how awesome, how awesome you were and how you could save yourself? Or is it because in the moment you recognized your own brokenness, your own sinfulness, your own inability, your own discord, that your entire life was in the red? And so that in seeing the red in your own life, it caused you to turn to Jesus. Discord. How many of have ever said something like this? Well, I'm praying for so-and-so. They've got to hit rock bottom before they'll turn to Jesus. And you love that. I mean, you feel like it's this divine wisdom. You're talking to well, you know, someone's got to hit rock bottom before they'll actually recognize their own brokenness and their sin and turn back to Jesus, right? Breaking the self, breaking their sin. And so in that, would you say that discord and deterioration of a person's life is actually a gift to bring into their place of need for Christ? I would. So we can't say we hate discord and deterioration and chaos. Why? Because it's actually God's gift to lead the world to its need for a savior. And so that's why I heard Mark Rutland say one time, a woman came up to him and said, Hey, Pastor Rutland, my boy, my boy is living with this woman, this harlot, this Jezebel. And I just, just want to come home. He looked at her and says, pray that everything that could go wrong in his life would go wrong. Pray that his business is terrible. Pray that, that their sex life is bad. Pray that his car breaks down. Pray that everything that could go wrong in their life, with his life, would go wrong. She's like, I can't do that. I love him too much. He's like, then, he's like, then you don't love him. Right? Because he has to hit rock bottom. So the point we're getting is that deterioration, discord, and all of these pieces are actually a gift of God in the context of our life to lead us to our need for Jesus. And if you can receive it, it's part of his plan. Now, what's his plan? Well, to bring all of it under the lordship and the unity of Christ so that we can be led by him. But the idea is that God has the power and the ability, and this is where it's hard for us to understand, he has the power and the ability to take everything, good, and the red, excuse me, in the, in the green, bad, in the, excuse me, and the, in the, in the red over here, and the bad, says all of it, I'll just use all of it, because that's who I am, it's all part of the plan of salvation to bring everything under unity. So he looks at the churches in Asia, Minor. I know it's a tension. I know the chaos is tension. I know the discord is tension. I know when you name specific things, you go, well, what about this? And go, yes, that's not God's perfect will, but he's able to use it It's part of his plan, right? That he is 100% in charge, and we are 100% responsible. And in our responsibility of choices, they come with consequences, whether good or bad. You understand consequences? You spend zero time with your spouse, you never communicate, and your marriage suffers. If you spend time with your spouse and you choose that, your marriage thrives. There's consequences. But in the midst of that, no consequence ever surprises God and ever thwarts the plan to bring everything under unity. And that's where we have confidence in him. And it may be where you have to wrestle because maybe your faith is struggling because you just have a hard time believing that God is actually good and in control. And that's purpose and a plan for everything that's going on. And I look at you and say, it's not my job to make you believe or help you entertain. It's my job to help. It's not my job to ultimately say, and here's the answer. You have to go sit with Jesus yourself. It's another word. You have responsibility yourself to study and to read and to process and to pray. Because Paul had this deep conviction. Hey. Everything that happens, for good or for bad, ultimately God is using it for his plan and his purpose to bring everything under the unity of Christ. Because he is a good father. He's not just good because everything always stays in the green. He's a good father because he's the one who comes into hell into chaos, and he came and he lived in his life and he died. And that's the model for us of what it looks like. That in the midst of our hell and our chaos, where we are suffering, God meets us and says I will come and I will bless you and I will meet you. And the beautiful part in the context of these consequences and these choices is that in the context of now God bringing restoration, here's the beautiful piece. This is what we're going to talk about in small group this week, is that He then chooses to use you to bring about restoration and to be an agent of restoration. To not be an agent of bringing chaos, but to be an agent of bringing about restoration and making choices in the context of of relationships. You're going to be talking about this and the choices that you're making, and this idea of God using your life to bring about restoration. But I'll just say it begins in this place of saying, and here's the point. Paul's making. It's like, you can't make a difference in the world. The harder you try to fix chaos, the more chaotic it becomes. You have to lean into the fact that Jesus is in control and that he has a plan. He has a purpose to bring everything under unity in Christ. And you have to lean into him and look at him as you try to stand up on the waves and begin to walk because he is good he has blessed you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing and you are now adopted you have an inheritance you have an access and he is good even when hell is happening even when you find yourself in the red i mean literally this week we're gonna be done. invite the worship team to come here was leading worship this morning and you know, i'm not going to go into the story because it's, it's a real personal story for us but but we had this moment last week where there was just this, There was chaos. There was chaos in, in, in our family, in our home, right? And, and I found myself in the moment going, duh, right. I found myself sinking. You ever find yourself sinking? I found myself sinking. I found myself sinking. And I'm like, oh, we got to. And I'm sort think of thinking, what can I do? And what, what do we need to do? And how can I fix? And da, 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 right? And I'm just like, ah, ah. And all of a sudden, I'm, and I'm like, ah, dah, dah. And I just got into visions And I began to read. And I was, I was like, and I felt like God just said. It's like, Steve. I have a plan, and even in this, I'm using this as part of my plan. This didn't catch me off guard, son. It did not catch me off guard. I have a plan, I'm like, but what do I do? It's like not what you can do, son. It's about what I do. It's about my plan, about my purpose. Is why don't you worship me? Why don't you just come and see me? Why don't you just come and sit? Why don't you just come and just be in my presence, God? Why don't you just come? And I'm like. Yes, I will do that, right? But just begin to worship, and God began to speak into the moment about confidence. Like, it wasn't like all of a sudden everything got better. No, it was like I literally, I was, I was at the lake, and I was, I literally, this is a true story, like, I'm literally like praying and worshiping. And I'm doing some other work. I gets some work. I was like, God, what do you do now? He goes, Won't you go fishing? I'm like, Yes, sir, right? And so I hop in the button You know what I did? I went from point to point. And literally as I drove, I just prayed and I interceded. I prayed. I said, God, you have a plan. I just submit myself to your plan. You are good. You are kind. You were moving, God. I don't understand. I don't understand the chaos. I don't understand this this disconnect. I don't understand. But God, you're in charge and I give it to you. God, I just now gotta pray you give me wisdom. What are the choices that I make where I have a responsibility, God? Right? I need to know that thing. God. That's what I'm praying to God. But ultimately, Lord, it's ultimately your job to bring everything under the lordship and unity of Christ. And that's where we're landing this week. Our inheritance. And that he is in charge. And it may be a wrestling you need to do. But wrestling is always healthy as long as you let Jesus win. And so you've been wrestling so long that you won't let him win. And it's time to let him win because he's in control. He's in charge. You may not understand everything, and it may bring pain. It may be hard. I get it. I've been there. But you have to be able to look up from the red and see Jesus. lift you up on top of the storm and say god but you're good and you have a plan and you're moving i don't understand it but i know you're in charge and you're And i I just confess in jesus name by faith that you're bringing all of the chaos into unity and you're using it for your purposes so father this morning i just pray for each person here god i know there's a wrestling and attention for many in this and I don't pretend to be immune to that. I don't pretend to say I haven't struggled myself. God, I get it. I I really do. I understand. And I just simply pray this morning for each person, God, where this hits them in a real personal sense. Father, I'm asking for a breakthrough. I'm asking, Father, in the places where they're wrestling, that you would open their eyes to see you. And all of a sudden, they would just recognize your plan, God. Your plan and your purpose is it requires a divine revelation. It's not something we can just make happen. So I'm asking for divine revelation. I'm asking for an awakening today in this week in people's lives, Father God, in the context of their brokenness as it relates to their children, to, the, to their spouse, to their work situation, to their finances, Father God, to, to, to atrocities they wrestle with all across the world, Lord, and great loss that they see, God, and, and wondering all the bad things and the chaos and the deterioration. Lord, I pray, God, you would help them to not lose hope but to see, God, that you have a purpose and a plan in all of this. God, we just declare today we need you in that. So, Lord, we just ask blessing upon each person. We ask blessing, God, upon each small group this week. And even this morning, you begin to tenderize our hearts, God, to turn our faces to see you and to lift our heads. Father, we bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name. So as always at Vintage, we have we have time of ministry. And so ministry time is simple. We have communion available right here every Sunday for you to take. This is a reminder of the good news of Jesus. We have offering baskets here as an act of worship. Ministry teams are available on both sides. And ministry teams, all they're doing is they want to come alongside and just pray with you in anything that God has laid on your heart today. So you respond as the Lord leads today. I'll come back up here in a few minutes and close this up But I invite you... I invite you to come get prayer. I invite you just to go be with Jesus. I invite you to go be honest. And allow God to move in your life today. You respond to the Lord.